Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning, Faith. Uh, Glad that you could make it out today. I know it's a little stormy out, but hey, we are here and we get a look at God's Word together. My name is Blake and it's always a privilege to spend a Sunday morning with you. Uh, We've been in this past uh, couple weeks talking about doubt. Anybody ever have some doubt coming through life, you know, maybe with your walk with the Lord? Maybe it comes into personal doubt. Anybody ever doubt yourself? I know I have. I mean, it's hit me in big seasons, even to the point where I was like, I'm going to start a support group for doubt, but I doubted anybody would come to my support group. Dad joke, right? You know, but no, seriously, there's been times when I would come up here and, and, and I know God's called me to do something. I know God's equipped me to do something, but man, the self doubt rushes in. Have you ever been there in life where self-doubt has stifled you, has crippled you, and, and there's been moments where you don't even feel like taking that next step because you're just inundated with doubt that rushes into your life? Doubt's very real. Doubt's something that each follower of Jesus, each person has wrestled with. Before we unpack some of this idea and understanding about doubt, I want to talk to you about how self-doubt can impact our faith. Three major ways. The first way is this. It highlights our insecurities. It highlights our insecurities. You know, you might go through life and uh, maybe you're having a particular week and people have given you a hundred compliments and you're feeling good. But then that one compliment comes by or that complaint, I should say, and they just strike a chord with you. They say something that triggered one of your insecurities from your past. You ignore all the 100 great compliments, but yet you get hung up on that one touch point of insecurity. When doubt comes in our life, it highlights what we're insecure about. When doubt comes into our life, it makes us ask some questions about ourselves. Another way, when self-doubt goes unassessed or we don't look at it and it creeps in and, and, and we, we're inundated with it, we start to ask ourselves a lot of questions. Do I have anybody that asks yourself a lot of questions? Am I praying enough? Am I going to church enough? Am I being a good enough husband or a, a wife or a spouse? Am I, am I living the way I should be in my life? Am I being a great parent at this moment? Am I, am I, do I need to be better? And, and we question, am I being a good coworker? And, and we're like, hey, and we ask ourselves questions and questions and questions. And what can happen is we get so consumed with the question asking, God's presenting an answer to you or wanting to give you an answer. But guess what happens? That doubt is in your life. And you're just, God, where are you? God, what's going on? And the, the perfect answer is right in front of you. Doubt makes us ask tons of questions about who we are and our abilities, and what God's truly and really doing in our lives. But also self-doubt can impact our faith because it can hook us on our habits. How many of us know that we have some habits in life, right? We have some things that you think you get 
over and you get past and yet they come rushing in at a moment. You know, that fire alarm goes off at late at night at 3 a.m. and you're thinking to yourself, out of all 24 hours of the day, that fire alarm, why does the battery have to die then? And then you have to go through your house and which one is it? Where's that beeping coming from? And it drives you insane and you're in agony and then you're running up and you're looking and you stub your toe and, and something comes out of your mouth that you can't be kissing your mama with, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, man, I haven't used language like that in years, and then it came back. You know, when doubt comes in, it makes us questions like, maybe I'm not holy enough. I got habits that have seeped into my life that I just can't get past. Well, today, no matter what you've come in here with, no matter how you're watching us online, we have some great news for us, that God loves us, he cares for us, and you are his masterpiece. So no matter what has transpired, no matter what doubt you may have in your life, there's hope. Join me, Ephesians chapter two, the apostle Paul says this, for we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do good things he planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, despite my opinion, you are God's masterpiece. Now, I know if you're married in the room, there's no hesitation, right? Like, you're God's masterpiece. Let's go. My wife's in front row. You're masterpiece, babe. Masterpiece. You and I are God's masterpiece. You were designed with intent. There wasn't just some assembly line. You are just manufactured. No one thought about you. No, you are God's masterpiece. Masterpiece simply means this. In Greek, it's this pomea. It's a creation with a designated purpose. So you're designed with purpose. You are designed to do what God's called you to do. You are designed to lead a life that is, that is God-infused, God-empowering, God-inspiring in, in, in God, uh, uh, to people all around you. It isn't one of those parts of life or moments where you just go through the motions. No, you were designed for purpose. You are a workmanship, a craft. You, you were uh, filled of detail. You are someone that God intentionally said, I'm going to make your nose look this great. I'm going to make your nose look this big. I'm going to make you who you are. I think some of the times, when it comes to doubt, we think, hey, did, does someone really notice me? God notices us. You are God's masterpiece. So I want to talk to you this morning. Maybe you're overwhelmed with doubt. Maybe there's a lot of self-conflict and turmoil taking place in your life, and you're coming in these doors. And you feel like you've not only physically experienced a storm this morning, but maybe in your life you're going through a storm. I want to encourage you with three things to remember when self-doubt rushes in. 
We're going to look at three types of people that encourage us, that inspire us. So, who does God most often use, especially when it comes to who we are? God first most often uses people who are what we would deem as the unlikely. God uses the unlikely. So when doubt rushes in and you feel like you don't have all the tools and qualities and traits that you think you should have, I got news for you. God can use you even if you don't feel worthy of being used. In Israel, the new king was being selected. Saul was spent his time serving as king, and then there's time to be this, this new appointed king. His name was David. But what's interesting is David was considered this unlikely character that no one really wanted to pay attention to. No one really could assume that he would be the next king. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 6, we have this man by the name of Samuel. He's a prophet. He's known as the headhunter, the man who's going to go and look and appoint and anoint the next king of Israel, God's people. And this is what takes place. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. You know, you've ever seen somebody and you're like, yeah, they got all the goods. The headhunter said, that guy has all the goods. But guess what? God didn't see it that way. And we see and we continue on. And verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? Heart. The unlikely. You know, what's fascinating about the story is this, and this is what I found so unique, is that one, Samuel, God's chosen prophet, God's anointed, missed who the next king was. And then it's not even this. If you look a little further in the story, Ben-Jesse, David's father, didn't even view David as being the next king. When he presents his sons to the prophet, he says, here's all my sons. He actually leaves J David out in the field, the junior shepherd, the one with the least influence, the one who didn't look the part, the one who didn't have it all together. And yet he, they're, they're all rejected except one, the, the guy that's out in the field, the junior shepherd. You know what that teaches us a little bit? Maybe you're in here and someone who's close to you, maybe a parent, a grandparent in your life. Maybe you've had that situation where you felt overlooked in life by some of the people who are closest to you. It can be grip. It can be, it can be frustrating. You know, you're, you're, the people who are closest to you who should, who should have your back who don't necessarily see you, but it's not about them because it's about who God sees who you are. But then there's also those those people, and as a church leader, sometimes I miss it, but some of the greatest, most faithful, most loyal, most hardworking people aren't necessarily the people that are right in front of my face. It's the second, third layer people where I ask our team and our staff, and I say, who do you know that I need to know? Who do you know that's working hard? Who do you know that's serving great? Who do you know that's committed to this church? What stories do we need to hear? Who are they? See, even God's chosen people get it wrong. 
even the people closest to us, get it wrong. See, God uses the unlikely, the people we don't necessarily maybe envision or or picture. So when self-doubt rushes into your life, remember God chooses the unlikely. God loves to use people who are overlooked by others. Overlooked by others. We touched on that where the people who are closest to David looked past him. The anointed man of all of Israel, the prophet Samuel, looked past him. Have you ever looked past somebody and and kind of said, man, I missed it? Or maybe on the other side of the coin, have you been that person who was overlooked and then maybe your reputation changed someone's thoughts about who you are or your gift set and ability? And then we also see that God uses the unlikely to accomplish the impossible. If you're familiar with David's story, you know what David goes and does? He goes and does a, 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 tr- a, a great and lives a great life. But one of his first big acts of fame, he slays a supernatural being by the name of Goliath. See, what's unique about it is David didn't have position at that time. He wasn't the king. David wasn't told to go do that. David went. An unlikely shepherd boy goes and slays a giant. When I look at people in our church, I see face after face and numerous individuals who if you would ask them, they would probably say, hey, they weren't the most likely people to make the impact that they have made. Like we have many people who've have been from a a certain history and a background that now if you look at their life, God has done some amazing things. One of those families I love to celebrate is this. This is Roy and Melissa Fiedler. They're an incredible uh, couple and family and and I love their story. I I talked to them and I said, hey, you know, why why don't you share a little bit about what's taken place throughout your faith journey? This is their response. Roy spent a major portion of childhood in the foster care system, eventually living with his grandmother at around age 14, and that's when he met the love of his life, Melissa. They ended up having kids, and they fell in some pretty tough times. They faced homelessness. They were broke. They were jobless. Without the Lord, they recognized that there was hopelessness, that they didn't know what to do. So they were married, decided to separate, and even took the steps to file the paperwork for divorce. Realizing divorce wasn't going to be their key and answer to the hopelessness they faced, over three and a half years ago, they decided to attend faith assembly. It was through that process they gave their life to the Lord, they were baptized. Now they have kids involved in youth, specifically fine arts. They have a grandbaby that was just recently dedicated. Roy owns his own pest control business. And Melissa is attending Bible college, pursuing a call of God on her life. They would say this, we owe our life to God for bringing us from the bottom. They serve on our coffee team, 
our greeter team, and now they even help in our kids' ministry. I love Roy and Melissa, but if you would ever talk to them and imagine their faith journey, they would say, hey, we weren't probably the most likely choice, but now their impact is impacting this church in every way, shape, and form. So if you're struggling with self-doubt, if you're going through some things, remember, God can use even you. Secondly, we see when it comes to who God will most often use is this God uses the insecure. You ever wrestled with some insecurities in life? You know, as Pastor Chris's guy, Kanye, would say, we all have insecurities. We do. And insecurities kill everything that's beautiful. We come to this story and found in Judges, man by the name of Gideon, angel appears to him. And the angel says this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God has chosen to use you to rescue the Israelites from the Midianites. What would happen quite often is this, Israel would do really good for a season, and then they would make a lot of mistakes, and they would run away from God. So this angel shows up, appears to this guy by the name of Gideon, and this is Gideon's response. I don't know if you would have maybe agreed with this, but Gideon says this, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. So an angel shows up. I like to kind of think of myself like this, you know, go back in Bible character times. If an angel showed up in my life, I'd be like, yeah, nothing can stand against me, right? But Gideon, the insecurities were highlighted. The insecurities rose. And he says, who am I? I'm the least. I can't do it. No way, God. No way. Gideon's insecurities shouted louder than God's voice. When it comes to our self-doubt, if we're not careful, our insecurities can shout louder than what God is trying to say to us. See, insecurities starts with the letter I, right? When we're insecure, what do we do? We make it all about ourselves. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I was told back then, I am just not talented. I'm not worthy. See, his response, Gideon, how can I rescue Israel? Gideon alone can't rescue Israel. But with God, a lot of things are possible. All things are possible. I remember this specific time I was sitting in Bible college as my freshman year. And I was there and God took me on a pretty unique journey to arrive at Bible college. And it was our first day of class, my freshman year, a professor leans over and he calls on a student and says, hey, uh, I, I need you to recite Acts chapter 13. I'm like, man, is this part of Bible college, a, a whole chapter you're supposed to memorize? This kid pops up. Little did I know he memorized numer numerous books of the Bible, and he stands up and off his memory alone pulls out Acts 13 and just says the whole chapter off his memory. 
I'm sitting there saying, God, what other school do I need to apply to? Saying, this isn't for me. I can hardly remember my social security. Like, I got married to help me with some of the fundamental facts of my life. Let alone, I'm going to Bible college and people have this kind of talent and ability. Insecurities went off in my life. The alarm went off in my life. But that's where we have to remember to have confidence, not in ourselves, but in God. When we look at the word confidence, Latin origin, con is meaning with, fide meaning to trust or to have faith in. See, biblical confidence isn't putting confidence in yourself. Biblical confidence is having confidence in God. See, confidence is putting your faith with what, confidence is putting your faith in what God says about you. Confidence is about saying, hey, alone I can't do it, but with God I can. When you look at Gideon's story a little further on, Gideon is taken on the Midianites. He does it with just 300 warriors. They don't even go into the camp with, with swords or guns. They don't go in with anything. They go in with clay pots, trumpets, some torches. They show up an army of over 100,000 warriors and just 300 Israelites go and defeat this vast army. They slam some pots down, they blow some trumpets, and with God, they had incredible confidence. See, no matter what is taking place in your life, when that self-doubt is, is ballooning and, and, and growing in your life, remember this, that you might have some insecurities, but you can have confidence in God, and with God, all things are possible. So also, Judges 7 says this, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Bethsheba and Zariah, and as far as the border of Abel, Maloa, near Tabith. Alone were insecure, but with God, confidence. And then we also see God uses the unlikely, he uses the insecure, and then he also uses failures. Have you ever failed before? Have you ever been labeled as a failure before? Have you ever gone through something in life and you're asking yourself questions and, and you're saying, God, I'm nothing but falling, up, falling short. I'm a failure in life. We come to one of the most pivotal stories that's maybe recorded that gives us such great insight on who our God is. It's an emotional story. When you look at this man by the name of Peter who denied Jesus, a little girl says, hey, aren't you that person who walked with Jesus? A little girl. And this is what Peter says. Peter replied in Luke 22, he says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. 
Peter failed. We have failed. Maybe you failed publicly. Maybe people heard, heard about your broken marriage. Maybe some of the, how you lost your temper. Maybe how you went through some things at work and your coworkers are, are talking about you a little bit and you failed publicly. Or maybe you're wrestling with failure privately and you have that addiction that just is continuing to harbor in your heart. And, or maybe you're thinking about people and you can't just shake it and you're saying, I'm weighted and I'm, I'm messed up. God, I'm failing right now. I want you to remember this. No matter how many mistakes you've made, God uses failures. God uses people like you and me. God uses people who've gone through some really hard times, who've made some really big mistakes, who've done so publicly, who've done so privately. You know, when Jesus then appears during this period of the resurrection and before his ascension, he comes and he sees Peter. And you know what? He doesn't come up to Peter and say, hey, I condemn you, I'm done with you, I'm through with you, I can't use you anymore. You should be cast out. You should be done away with. He embraces him and says, hey, I'm going to restore you. I love you. Your work's not done. So Peter, going from a failure, then goes to preach one of the most prolific sermons ever on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then look at the result. In Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus. People who have failed, people who have come from all sorts of different ways and backgrounds and upbringings, who've struggled with some things in life, God uses. So when that self-doubt rushes in and you're thinking, I'm just a failure, remember, God uses failures. We look throughout scripture, we see some of the greats in the Bible would be labeled failures. Jacob was a cheater, Moses was a murderer, David had an affair. Remember that king we talked about. Jonah ran from God, Elijah was depressed, Miriam was a gossip, Martha was a warrior, Thomas doubted, Paul killed Christians. Do you feel better now? Maybe some of you, you don't even come anywhere close to this list. And you're like, man, maybe some of you, you've checked every box we just read. God can still use you. God uses people. God uses those who aren't perfect. God uses those who aren't the most likely to be chosen. God uses those who are battling with insecurities. God uses those who failed. So today, I want to give you two actionable steps when it comes to your self-doubt. When it says, hey, you know what, I might be overwhelmed with self-doubt. I'm going to give you two actionable steps to move past your self-doubt. The first one is this, join a group. We talk about this often, we talk about this weekly, we talk about almost every service. Because here's the thing, 
Sometimes to navigate your self-doubt, you need other people around you. You need other people to encourage you. Secondly is this, not only get involved in a group, but also make sure that you're starting a relationship with Jesus day in, day out. Come back to the point of saying, God, I need you to, to use me. God, I need you to lead me. And when you're starting a relationship with Jesus, it moves you into a life, it moves you into a posture of how can I serve and be a part of his church? We need to say, hey, hey, God, uh, in my life, I don't want to just make it about me, but I want to be about others. Self-doubt is a very isolated place to live. Remember, insecurity starts with I. When we start with Jesus, we're saying, I got confidence in him. And I'm partnering with his church. I'm saying, God, I'm going to give you every portion, every ounce of my faults, my failures, my unlikeliness, my broken, my insecurity. I'm giving to you, God. So as we wrap our service, we're going to lead with this statement. I'm going to ask everybody to stand and we're going to say this together. Then our band's going to sing and our prayer team's going to come forth. But... I thought it's important that you hear this, that you say it with a boldness, and that you hear it from the lips and those around you. And the statement looks like this. It's on the screen. And we're gonna say this together. On the count of three, let's read it out loud and proclaim it over our lives. One, two, three. We are not what we did. We are not what others did to us. We are not what others said about us. We are not what we think about. What are we? We are God's masterpiece. Church, let's say that again. We are God's masterpiece. No matter what you're going through, if you don't feel like you're worthy enough, I got news for you. God sees you. If you don't feel like your, your insecurities are, 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 are wrestled down and you can't hang with them anymore and they're, they're gripping your life, I got news for you. God deals well with insecurities. And maybe you feel like a failure here. Guess what? God handles and takes care of failures. So no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you're processing, I'm gonna invite our prayer team down. We wanna stand with you in prayer. And maybe that starting point for you right now is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, leader, and rescuer in your life. What that means is Jesus, come into my life. You, you admit that you're a sinner. You believe in the work of Jesus. You confess with your mouth that, that there's some sin that's taken place in life, that you're not perfect, that you have failures, that there are insecurities that maybe railroad you. No matter what has gone on and takes place, starting point, relationship with Jesus. And we want to encourage that. And maybe you're in here. We want to stand with you in prayer right here at our prayer wall and, and simply just say this, maybe self-doubt is stopping you in life. Let's not let that self-doubt stop what God wants to do with your life. So we're gonna pray right now together. We're gonna sing and then we'll dismiss. God, right now we worship you, we praise you, we give you this time, we give you this morning. You see those in this place who are struggling, who are going through some hurts and pains, but right now you see those specifically struggling with self-doubt. Lord, we pray that you speak, that your Holy Spirit fall upon their lives, that you move in their lives, 
that they not be wrapped up in not being the most likely to be picked, that they're not getting wrapped up in their insecurities, that they're not getting consumed with their past failures, but may they start anew for the plan you've worked in their life, Lord. We give you this morning, we give you our time, we give you our worship, we give you our praise, in your great and holy name, all of God's people in this place say, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.